Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Invincible Tricking Podcast, where we recreate those 3am gathering hangout sessions and hear trickers' stories and insights. I'm James Daly, I'm the creator of Invincible Tricking. With me currently in New York is Invincible Editor Jeremy Price. Hey there. And we have Phil Gibbs here with us from Brisbane, Australia. How are you, Phil? Fan diddlyastic. How is everyone going? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm better after hearing that. Yeah, I'm also fan diddly. I think fan diddly astic. I'm astic. <laughs> don't I don't really make memorable introductions. This it's usually quite bad. But hey, here we are. <laughs> no, it was perfect. Mm. All right. So how this is going to work? We're going to we, we have a whole bunch of questions. We have a few of our own. We have a whole bunch submitted from the tricking community, and we're just going to work through those. Sound good? Sounds fantastic. Great, so we'll start off super broad. Who are you, when did you start tricking, and how did you first find tricking? Rad, all right, um, so my name, uh, I would certainly hope you would know by now, <laughs> click on the first uh, I'm Phil Gibbs, I'm uh, 25, and I'm a tricker from Brisbane, Australia. I have been tricking for nine, nine and a half years, or nine and a bit, so next year will be my 10th, which is, that was a bit of an eye-opener for me, which is oh, pretty sick. Big anniversary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it should be sweet. So Are you going to celebrate it somehow? Yeah, probably the same way I celebrated in Czech Republic, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> so for those who know that story, who was with me on World Tour, there's a treat. Um, shout out to Barnabas. <laughs> yeah, yeah, shout out to Barnabas and my Emma Rosa singlet. Thank you for that. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, so I've, I've been tricking for quite a while. I um, It's actually my occupation as well as to teach tricking because that's kind of what I wanted to do was to be like an instructor um, and also like a kind of personal trainer for tricks so that ended up damn be, yeah so that nice. that ended up happening from previous experiences but how i found tricking was um pretty interesting as a kid i um i did martial arts and gymnastics separately i really because when i was five years old i found out my dad did karate and he went to the world championships and stuff like that so when i was that that young i was just like i want to do that so <laughs> and and so i started doing martial arts with uh dad for a little bit and then um I got sent to do gymnastic stuff because like I jumped around lots. Apparently when I was like a baby or like really, really young, like I have no memory of this, but dad told me, I only found out about this when dad got asked by a newspaper, an interesting story about me. And dad said, well, when he was young, he actually climbed up on the ironing board and then proceeded to jump onto the couch off the ironing board <laughs> as a baby. And I was like, that's right. Born a legend. I had no idea. Yeah, I had no idea I did that kind of shit. Um, so that was pretty funny, but so I, I did them separately, but I never, um, I never really fitted in, uh, gymnastics. It was, uh, I, I'm not a very cool person, so I didn't really, <laughs> I didn't really fit in well with the click and stuff with gymnastics. I was the weird kid that was chucking, like pretending to fight ninjas when nothing else was happening and stuff like that. And yeah, in that scene, they weren't a huge fan. Um, but that's cool. Like it definitely helped with, um, concepts and stuff that I was able to use in tricking and martial arts. I loved it. Like I did two different styles of Taekwondo. You definitely can't tell because my kicks are shit, but um, <laughs> yeah, like two different styles of uh, Taekwondo and stuff like that. And um, just self-defense training with dad, which was really fun. But um, eventually like I did like about nine years of gymnastics, maybe 10 and it was just terrible. Like I, I just couldn't do it. Whoa, at all. Like, it was, 10 years yeah, of gymnastics? Clo close to it. Like I'd say nine years or almost 10, but um, I'm surprised. <laughs> but yeah, like it was just, uh, all things considered, the very the very best thing I could do 
in terms of like skill based, I'd say would maybe like be a front full twist on the floor, which would be like my absolute best thing. Um, still pretty still, solid. Oh, not really. If you saw it, you'd be like, oh, sweet. It looks like a cat just got like footy thrown. Like, <laughs> yeah, it was really not all that. Um, so concepts of actual twisting stuff wasn't there. Like I actually couldn't stand in back tuck until like after I quit gymnastics. As Get weird out. as that. No, no, I'm dead serious. Wow. Like, because it was very scary. Like they built it to be very scary. So, um, hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I, I eventually was able to like leave gymnastics. It's good that mum and dad kind of made me stick to it too, because naturally as a kid, if you're not enjoying it, you'd be like, uh, no, I don't want to do it at all. But because yeah. they made me stick to it, definitely helped a lot of things. So um, after I stopped doing uh, gymnastics and still did uh, Taekwondo at another place, they were doing lots of demo things. And I always wanted to do something that had martial arts and gymnastics together. I just didn't know it existed or what it was anyway. So mm -hmm. the thing I kind of found before that was uh, free running. So I did a little bit of free running stuff for like probably only a year and a half, maybe two years max. Mm -hmm. And again, it was, I wouldn't put myself as a free runner because as hilarious as it sounds, I'm fucking terrified of heights. So, <laughs> so when I that. Yeah, yeah. So when it comes to the whole thing, like I remember the first time I was trying to do like what's called like a roof gap where I was like at a, with a friend and we were like trying to jump from one roof in like a school building to another one. I was like, <laughs> like it was oh, just, no. yeah, yeah. So Wait, I so did, did you find I, out you were scared of heights mid like free running session on the roof or did you know beforehand? Uh, I was relatively aware and then it became crystal fucking clear on that <laughs> roof. Like, um, but yeah, and it was okay. Like the elements of free running was fun, like learning um, skills off of heights and stuff like that as well. And then uh, I found out there was, but I, I saw tricking stuff at around like 2006 or seven, but I didn't know what it was. I was just like, that's really awesome. I don't know how to do that though. Do you remember what you saw? Like the first thing you saw from tricking? Crazy Asian oh, yeah. um, unveiled. Nice, like nice. like th that to me was like the first one I saw. And I was like, whoa, like, I'm not sure what that is. And so, but I remember when I first saw that, I was trying to learn to do cork after that too, back at Taekwondo. So that was really fun. Um, and then, but free running, it was, it was okay. And then like, I went to um, a gym with a friend of mine because we found out there was like open sessions where you could go and pay and use a gymnastics hall, which was the dream back then. Because mm. up until that point, when I was a kid, gymnastics, I was like, oh, there's no way. Like if you aren't doing gymnastics or a, or a class, you will never ever get access to a gym because back then it just wouldn't be a thing. Gymnastic centers would be like, if you're not going uh, to join, yeah. yeah, it's like if you're not going to join the classes and compete, like if you just want to come in here and do your own thing, you can get out. Like that's just how it was. Um, right, right. Which I'm super stoked has changed. They're a lot more lenient with it. And then um, I went there to this gym in the city and I was chucking whatever I could at the time, like trying to do B twists and then gainers and stuff like that. And then um, I met. John McClay there, uh, which was awesome. So John McClay, <laughs> the first tricky event was John McClay. What an aggressive yeah. start to the tricky world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was fierce, dude, because he was doing some stuff that I was just like, what? what? Like, and just him as a character. Like, even yeah. nowadays when we get to see him, like he is just an absolute hero. Like, absolutely nothing but respect for that guy. He's, you can't have a bad time around John. It's <laughs> it's a gift. Um, and so I met him and another, although. I think only Australian trickers would know this guy's name's Alex Silver. So he doesn't trick anymore, but he was, I think he actually was one of the first Australian yeah, he's trickers. Old school. Like, yeah, he was like one of the first Australian trickers to land double fall. Like, I think he actually landed double fall before Scott did. Like, wow. it's, yeah, mental. So most people won't know who he is. Some of the American guys would because he's 
been over there and stuff. But so, yeah, I met them and then they're like, yo, like we, we just introduced and it was really cool. And then he's like, you should come back next time. And I mean, I guess you've heard of this guy called Scott. And I'm like, I no, like I have no <laughs> idea who, who Scott is. Um, and so then I met Scott and Muskie the second time I went back. And then they're like, they seem to like me for some odd reason. And then they were, they were like, you should come with us to where we train at Chandler. And I was like, okay, cool. And then that was nine and a half years ago. Like that, that wow. was, that was pretty rad. So, so that's kind of how it all started in a sense. That's crazy. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I, I, I absolutely love getting that, uh, that inside scoop because, uh, I mean, watching all your samplers, for example, I mean, this is the, this mm. is the background story that you just don't get. Mm. Um, but uh, one thing that I've really picked up by watching these samplers of yours, like it, it seems like, um, like kingdom hearts is like a really big thing for you. It's, right. It's, I mean, it's pretty relevant. It's pretty relevant. I mean, like between like the tattoo and the hair and like and all the like sampler names and everything, um, like yeah. I'm definitely getting this is like a big thing for you. So, like, um, yeah. what, what exactly does that game mean to you? Like, that's something I've always wondered. Again, um, well, not again. Sorry. Uh, in terms of like for the meaning of that to me, it's not just specifically like I mean, the game itself has been a big part of my life and stuff. And I, I remember even discovering it with gym, like while while I was at gymnastics and. Um, uh, being like, oh, I don't know. And then lots of the other guys just like, oh, that looks gay shit or whatever it was. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, then I, I won't get into it because I'm already bad enough with these guys as it is. <laughs> and then eventually when I picked it up, I was like, whoa, like this is actually really interesting. Um, so for me, it's it's more, it's not like, like the story and everything about it and the characters um, and how they've like just their traits and the, the stories that they go through individually, as well as like, Lots of the kind of aspects that, uh, like, for example, the, character, the main character of Sora is kind of like the goofy, happy-go-lucky, kind of like a Goku in a way where he's already enlightened. Mm, kind nice. of just like, oh, yeah. oh, I'm innocent and shit. I liked that, but when I was younger and was a lot, well, I guess I still have this problem as well now, but a lot more serious and very angry and, and stuff like that. Like, I really resonated with the, um, the kind of secondary main character called Riku. And um, <laughs> Riku, so I actually have the tattoo of um, Riku's Keyblade called Wait the Dawn, which mm. is one of the samples I call, which is a very realistic path because everyone has like, you know, their good sides and bad sides and things like that. And so the, the aspect of Wait to Dawn and basically Riku's character is like, it is possible to walk both lines. You don't have to just be completely in the dark all the time. It is possible to, you know, walk along like a better side of life and take what you've got from the bad and use it for the good and stuff. So for me, that resonated like straight away. That was awesome. Like, so that's that's been really prevalent with me. Like the stories are just unbelievable. The music sticks with me forever. I'm just just a really, really big fan of like the franchise and the messages that it gives out. Um, because for me at the time, and even now as like an adult, I still really, really, I just dig that. Like just the way that it like, oh, it's hard to explain, but um, <laughs> it just portrays a lot of things that I can't say very well. And it just mm -hmm. does it in such an art form that's like, it gives it so much weight and I love it. I absolutely love it. So mm. I wish I wish it didn't take, you know, like 12 years to make Kingdom Hearts 3. Yeah, but. Right. <laughs> But at, at the same time, it's just like, I know without a doubt, like when it's done, it'll be incredible. Cause I, I only really started playing more game stuff recently. Like I kind of haven't played, I'm not much of a gamer, mm -hmm. except when it comes to Kingdom Hearts. Like that's, the, <laughs> like that's the only time where it can get dangerous where I'm just like, fuck dude, I haven't eaten. Like I need to go here. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, there's so lots of just those childhood nerdy things that like I was kind of you know a bit odd with other groups of social people and stuff but that's the thing that's like 
given me a lot of understanding of you know adult situations and shit so i, I love it man it's great no, that's, that's awesome. great to hear. Yeah, yeah that's that's super cool. I mean, you know, James, have you ever played Kingdom Hearts? Or no, I mean, that? I've never played Kingdom Hearts, and I've always known it was like pretty important in you know your tricking journey and how prevalent mm. it is in your sampler. So it's mm. it's really interesting to see where that all came from and and how much it it's impacted you. It's very cool. Like the story of it is very in depth, and it can be it can be quite complex sometimes. But at the same time, like it's it just tackles a lot of interesting issues uh, in a in a very in some ways it can be really dark but in a way it's also you know it does have like the child warmy stuff from like disney and all that as well so yeah I, I gravitate more towards the realistic aspects from that game which is awesome that it can combine that with like you know family friendly kind of yeah, things as yeah. well mm. so it's awesome like that's why i really appreciate it great mm. oh, well bringing it back to your tricks themselves for a moment yeah um, sure your combos are pretty pretty signature. They're very you know uh, unexpected and sporadic, and it's it's really hard to know what's coming next. They're, they're a little odd. <laughs> I would not say odd. Just you know they're <laughs> they're unique. They're you know nothing. There's nothing like them. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Take mm -hmm. us through your thought process. Like how do you how do you create combos? How planned are they? I certainly feel like there are a lot of other people out there that have a lot more creativity and um, than I do. But for me, it's kind of just incorporating. Um, like sometimes it is stuff that I see from video games that I really enjoy just trying oh, to like yeah. to like mess around with. Again, not much of a gamer, but I'll definitely take aspects. Like um, there's like one trick. Like I don't know the name of it. I mean, Scott gave it the name Sidewinder, but there's actually an, there is an actual trick called Sidewinder, so it's not that. But um, <laughs> I just remember I, I tried it because I saw it in a slow mo bit from a Mortal Kombat game, and nice. I was like, oh wow, that's really cool. It's like a cart twist, but with the other hand, like. I want to see how that works, and so it was really fun, like, um, just messing around with stuff like that. Uh, in terms of, like, creating combo stuff, sometimes it's planned, like, especially if I'm intending on finishing with something power-based, like some kind of power, which I usually try and finish a combo with. Um, so I'll usually mess around with, like, different ways of getting into that last stage of the combo, because I don't, I'm not a fan of doing the same thing over and over like very very rarely if i've done a combo i usually will try and avoid doing it again and again even if i'm at a gathering which is sometimes a problem because sometimes instead of doing the things that i know i can do well i want to be doing something different and make that can be a bit nerve-wracking when you're in a gathering to do something new and you're like ah oh, crap <laughs> but um most of the time it's relatively planned and then some of the other times it's me being completely stupid like <laughs> like the penguin spin thing where like i um, love the penguin spin <laughs> um, no, the, pe yeah. the penguin spin is classic man i love that <laughs> that was um one of the first things i could do after surgery Cause oh. <laughs> I, yeah because my my knee was pretty funny so i didn't i was still very nervous on doing anything that's like a yeah. pop or, or anything so and i remember thinking about i was talking to one of my students um at the time and we were just being stupid and i was like I have a really stupid idea. And so, um, <laughs> How all the best ideas start. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, the student's name is Zach, Zach Monday. And I actually just posted something on Facebook recently, this video that we thought we lost forever, which is him trying, like, on a crash mat, so no spring at all. Like, he, he tried, like, Webster to, like, a double Webster and, like, just missed his head. <laughs> oh, and <geez>. so, <laughs> yeah, it was so... We, we were just messing around with some really stupid stuff and then that like penguin spin thing came to light and so yeah I mean as long as you don't crush your jimmies then it's fun as <laughs> <laughs> it's really stupid 
Oh, I love that. That's great. Um, <laughs> Phil, what single trick have you struggled with the most out of, I guess, everything you've learned? And how did you get past that particular trick? Um, it comes and goes in phases. And I think that's the truth of any tricker. Like, it's sometimes it's annoying because sometimes it just works. And then other times it just, it, no matter how hard you're, you're trying, it doesn't. Um, so some of the things that I have to steer clear of um, or am cautious not to do too much of is just lots of chain swing throughs like number one I kind of just am not that interested in doing like I, I don't need to be doing like 10 corks every session or something like that like I don't I don't need to be doing that but it's also because of my knee um oh, yeah. So, yeah so I just I just need to be careful with doing like uh to put it in perspective and I know this sounds really stupid but um dub 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 hurts my knee less than doing like 10 corks so huh. um, interesting yeah, so it's an interesting thing in that aspect. Um, but yeah, so it, it really comes in phases. Like right now, for me, my biggest weakness would be swing throughs because I've been focusing on other stuff. Um, whereas when I first started tricking and it was only swing throughs, <laughs> um, other things like getting like nicer kicks to the right point, which again, I'm still struggling with too. Um, so in terms of like a trick that I'm like at the moment, I'd say I'd be struggling with right now. And it's mostly because of a fear thing uh, is box cutter. And oh, okay. I mm, absolutely yep. love box cutter. Like it's my favorite kick to do. Um, but it's also the one that like I've gotten pretty badly hurt on a couple of times or even full hyper hook. Like I did one two months ago on on grass and because I mistimed it, like I almost hyperextended my knee. Well, I did slightly oh. hyperextend it and just it coming down. And then like, I tried one last night for the first time in months and it was just bilge. It was just, oh, it was disgusting oh, and man. terrible. <laughs> and it's just, it's okay. It's just scary. So that's like, yeah. it's my favorite kick to do, but it's just because of like what's happened. So I, I practice some at bounce before I jump back to doing it on floor. So I just need to do it. Um, more and more so that it's not so nerve-wracking and then I can clean it up. So, box cutter yeah. at the moment is that trick. Um, yeah. yeah. So, so, I can't really think of, like, a particular one that's always been there. It's It comes and goes in phases. Mm -hmm. No, that makes total sense. And, um, I mean, I, I definitely feel your pain there, Phil, because, uh, I mean, I, I actually ended up getting surgery on my left ankle uh, oh, maybe, like, crap. a year and a half ago. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty rough. I, I just I landed a double cork kind of weird, yeah. and I, like, heard a couple pops, and I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> there nope, it goes. You know? There it goes. Nope, nope, <laughs> nope. And so I, you know, I hopped myself to the emergency room. They thought, they were like, you know, we think you're fine. We think it's just a sprain. You know, a month later, I get an MRI, and they're just like, okay, everything's wrong. We need to oh, do surgery. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah, man, it was not fun. And so, and so, like, I, I'm much better now, but it's the same type mm. of thing where, like, the the one the the one type of trick that I'm most afraid of is swings. You know, yeah. like like gainer switches and corks. I mean, that that those kind of freak me out. But um, oh yeah. Yeah, I guess, you know, I will, uh, hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll get past it eventually, but I definitely, I definitely feel you there. Um, yeah. Yeah, another, another thing I was wondering about myself, um, mm. I mean, you've, you've been all over the place for all these different gatherings and events and stuff. Um, mm. Is there, like, a single craziest story that comes to mind? Like, did anything ah. really wild happen? <laughs> Czech Republic happened. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, n nothing, like, 
that's just the best thing about like I, I've been extremely fortunate and I can say this without a doubt I definitely don't deserve lots of the things that I've been given but I'm extremely grateful for like the traveling opportunities like I'm really keen to go to Japan like in a few weeks like that's gonna be really fun oh yeah whoa are you nice. going to Japan yeah dude I'm, I'm getting flown over to Japan um, uh, end of July start of August for no pressure gathering damn and, dude that's awesome yeah, yeah t- uh, Tim's going, Tim's going too, as right? well yeah so yeah, me and yeah, Tim yeah. are getting flown over um, we're gonna be teaching some of the kids and stuff how to trick and so it's gonna be really fun so looking forward to things like that like I really love it um in terms of like a crazy traveling story it's just it's really tough to pinpoint like I'll never ever forget the world tour because um the world tour is like that I went on 2013 with yourself James and Mm, Scott and Mateo and a bunch of trickers like that was the most fucking rock star thing I think has ever happened like it was literally like being on tour in a band but it way really was because we're tricking like you're on a like um it's amazing because you, you don't have all those conveniences that you usually have at home like you are on the road in Europe with a phone that doesn't work like you, you and you're just with the group and you're traveling from country to country in a bus and then you just look out the window and you just see some amazing shit like everywhere you go so that was um so world tour was amazing uh, the czech republic story in terms of like um unfortunately underestimating how much al- alcohol i thought i had leading to some terrible terrible situations which <laughs> barnabas if you're listening you're a guardian angel thank you so much um and i wear that singlet with pride it's amazing thank you for that um but yeah like just interesting stuff like like even small small things um, that I still remember now, like the first time I went over to Giga Gathering um, in 2011, like me, Scott and Muskie went to Giga and then like as we were flying back home, um, I remember hearing someone over, because we were in Hong Kong, we had to make a stop off and just hearing someone, because this is when I was a bit younger and was unaware that this was still a thing, um, over the speaker system, someone's, uh, it was pronounced, uh, what do they say? Yeah, uh, over the system, it was said like if anyone is found with, with or evidence of carrying, um, you know, uh, cannabis or anything of that nature, you'll be sentenced like an immediate death sentence. What? That, Whoa! That was put over the speaker system at the airport, and all three of us froze because that first. I mean, obviously, like I don't really do that shit, and I didn't like hear anything about it, but like. I thought I heard wrong until I saw Muskie look at me. And then I was like, because her eyes were wide open because we just could not believe that that was a thing. Like it was, it was said like, if you're found with any evidence of any like narcotics or anything of that nature, you will be like, it's an immediate death sentence. And I could not, yeah, like that's just the normal for them over there. That's just the culture. So those kind of random moments that like, I just, you don't forget that shit. It's like, none of us had anything of that nature, but just hearing that that is like, holy shit. Like you'll get killed for something like that. (laughs) Like that's mental. Like things like that. Um, uh, just me, Carl Skelly and Bailey Payne having like our, like, the wolf pack secret meetings so like and all our secret meetings would be is just us finding like a random location like just up on a like on a roof or on a hill or something like that and just the three of us standing like side by side like folding our arms and just kind of looking serious and then just talking about whatever <laughs> it, it could be absolutely nothing we're just standing there with our arms folded just being like it's a day and then that's it like um, and so that was really fun um just traveling to the states like i haven't been to the states for a while but um getting to experience like 
just seeing all the different cultures and hanging out with everyone and partying and learning tricks and understanding like just life lessons. It was really rad. Like um, I love the States and Europe as well. So I'm looking forward to like more traveling and, and everything like that. Um, but yeah, in terms of like a like one particular story that sticks out, uh, I can't tell you. <laughs> it's just there's just too many. It, that, that's okay, man. I mean, if you ever uh, want to come crash on my couch in Brooklyn, it's it's open for you. So just, I'm in. Just, <laughs> just let me know. That'd be <laughs> rad. Yeah, man. But uh, but James, I think we had some uh, we had some questions from uh, from from some other people, right? We do. Yeah, we're going to move into questions submitted from just the general drinking community over the past week on Facebook, on the Invincible forums. Um, Yay. Cool. So, first off, uh, Lucas Dalton asks, how do you push through creative lulls, plateaus in tricking, uh, and real-life circumstances affecting your schedule or your ability to get out and trick? Mm. Hi, Lucas. Um, yeah, so to start with with those things, I um, definitely was much harder to deal with in earlier years of tricking as well because um, I still have this problem now. Uh, not as bad, but definitely still... Um, definitely still there which was I would take um, things way well, I still do take things way too seriously so if I if I'm having a bad trick session or something's not working back back then I would it would put me down emotionally like I would just be not okay with it um uh, yeah. so over years of developing um, as a tricker and as a human um, just learning and understanding how like these things happen it doesn't matter if you're at the top of your game or, or not look like you are going to have sessions that things are not working so for me it was more about instead of being like why can't I swing today it was actually like trying to develop okay well if this is not working you can either keep trying to push towards it and then it might work but if not do something else tricking is not uh, just yeah. structured yeah tricking is not just structured on that one basis of if i can't dub today like if i can't do any power skills then i can't trick that is not mm. the case some mm. of the best tricking sessions i've ever had or have been um like the most productive some of them was when i'm just rolling on the floor and it was <laughs> yeah like like it sounds stupid but like yeah literally like that kind of <laughs> shit like uh, I remember, like an example of one of those is like I got stuck at my um one of the, one of the places I work called Red Dragon because it got flooded. Like I couldn't get home. Oh, whoa! So I'm I'm in the uh, just one of the rooms that I'm working in. So I had hours to wait for. So what I what I did was I actually just spent that time like working on um, developing like how I can step into a setup for Jackknife or, or how I can work on like getting down into a position so I could. Uh, incorporate like an OC creative. I didn't leave the floor once. Like I didn't actually jump or anything. I was just practicing stepping in and stuff for, for a while. Um, so the next session, like I was able to incorporate that and I wish I still did that because I can't jackknife for shit now, but it, <laughs> but it actually worked. Like the next session was very productive. Um, so it, it's more about incorporating good habits in terms of like not being stuck in the rut, mm. breaking out of that mold and mm. working on different things. And different things does not have to be like, okay, well, if double B twist isn't working, I'll do double back. That's better. Like, it doesn't, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't have to be something big. It can be, like I said, some of the sessions, some of the most productive stuff I've done was where I barely left the floor. Um, that yeah. being said, in terms of dealing with 
other issues, like in terms of what I think the question was about like work or um, other emotional things that aren't related to tricking, but do impact it mm. again. And this has been something that I, it, this really hit me hard last year. Um, because of some stuff that went down with me and it's been prevalent for this year as well, which is like, if this is important to you, like if it is really important to you, you will make time to do it. Uh, so what that means is obviously like, you can't just get to a gym all the time. There are very few people that have access to like a gym 24 seven. And even if you do, there are like things that you have to prepare for it. So it is one of those things where it's like, if you, if you really want to be doing this, you'll find the time to, to incorporate it in your schedule. So it's like, um, instead of going to the gym, maybe going on a tramp and working on some tramp stuff, or maybe even like at the house studying tricks. Like, yeah, yeah. As, as random as that sounds, like if, if I've had a break off tricks because of an injury or something, I know now from experience, from like getting surgery or from just general small injuries and stuff like that. Like, I know this sounds really weird, but even if you're not actually doing tricks, you are still training. Mm, you're still nice. you're still learning and still developing. So if I'm mm. watching these trickers and samplers and stuff, which is way harder to do nowadays because samplers are hard as shit to find, because um, <laughs> it's all it's all Instagram, Instagram, and, and I, I don't I don't have a problem with that. I'll go more in depth about that later. I don't want to go too much on a tangent, but um, yeah, it's like you're still training, you're still developing skills and stuff like that from watching. It's like everyone has a sharing gun, that thing Sasuke has, <laughs> where you're just looking and you're just like, Dude. yeah, I, know, I, I get it. Like, um, I was literally watching Naruto like 60 minutes ago. I yeah. swear to God. <laughs> Sick. Um, and, and yeah, so for me, um, just because you don't have, like, uh, if, if it's a situation where you can't get into a gym as often as you like, that's fine. You're still able to incorporate some kind of training. Um, yeah. So whether it's tramp or working on stuff at home or anything like that at all, like um, it's if it's important to you, you'll find time and you'll find a way to do it. Now that's not like, fucking don't be a pussy, just go and do some tricks in the living room like a tough cunt. No, it's like, <laughs> sorry, yeah, don't put that word in, you can cut that out. <laughs> like we're a, definitely leaving it now. <laughs> yeah, we got to leave it now. Like a tough fella, there you go, add that. Um, uh, but yeah, it's, it is, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the same for me with like the fitness stuff as well as tricking. Um, so sometimes tricking is not always going to be there. Like, in, like, um, if you're injured or something like that, like badly, you can't just be like, that's fine, that's alright, I'll just do stuff on the other leg. I've heard that so many times, <laughs> and it's not <laughs> the best, but um, yeah, it's like there's always other things you can be doing that are productive towards tricking, whether it's working out, whether it's actually studying, whether it's doing rehab in a pool, anything like that will benefit your tricking. My friend Isaac, who's asleep in my house right now, he, um, <laughs> he's, he's had a bit of a break, but he's done like a whole bunch of rehab training because he's done some stuff to his hips i think my god last night i've never seen him kill it that hard he was floating he was really good and all he was doing was doing his rehab stuff so there's wow. always a way to benefit tricks even if it's not exactly tricking so i hope mm. you can find it lucas because it's there you've just got to look i, I think it's that. it's super easy especially with lulls and plateaus to think of the success of your i guess tricking journey all boiling down to one session like why can't i land this trick this session Correct. But learning a trick is like so much bigger than that. And like you're saying, if you just do one little drill in one session, you may, you may take three months worth of sessions to for everything to cumulatively result in a new trick. Correct. Um, so yeah, moving around, changing skills each time and, and training different things definitely would, would help with that. 
it stops putting you in a rut as well. It's this, it's like if you ate the exact same thing every fucking day, yeah, you are yeah. going to hate it. You're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, so even changing up where you trick doesn't mean you have to be like, well, if I can dub here, I'll, I'll just practice my dubs on a beach. It's like you can go to the beach and do a back tuck and practice that standing stuff, like whatever you want to do. Mm. Mixing it up is one of the most healthy things for you ever. It just keeps you sane. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for um, sure. Which is awesome. Like I, I've been a big fan of that. So like I've been training at Bounce, like the trampoline park we have here, and that's been really helpful for some stuff. Or um, I, even last week, and I never train at Red Dragon because the floor there is very painful. But I was like, you know what? For the first time in ages, I feel like drilling some stuff there. And it actually made me understand a couple of things a little bit better. So just a change up in scenery can make a huge difference to not being stuck in that plateau rut. Yeah, so, nice. Yeah, it's cool. All right, Lucas actually has a second question here. It's a pretty interesting one. Yeah, he yeah, says, yeah. do you continue to feel as connected to the tricking community as you've gotten older? Friends come and go over the years and a younger generation with whom you may or may not share as much in common can have adverse effects on your relationship with people outside your circle of friends. Have you experienced that at all? Yeah, definitely. That is a fantastic question. Yeah, right? Lucas, you're nailing it, dude, and killing me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So definitely have experienced um, those aspects and that's all a part of how life works. It wouldn't really matter if it was involved with the tricking community or if it was a kite flying community. Like it's still oh, the best community. <laughs> yeah, my, my absolute favorite. <laughs> um, Nothing against kite flying communities. We love them. Go on. I sorry. would love it if like they just like, like jump on the forum and just like report like, Get angry tweets. Like, yeah, uses the word cunt, makes fun of our... Uh, yeah, it's it is one of those things where it's an it's a it's a part of life, and it's interesting to see where tricking is going with generations and stuff. Like even in the Brisbane community, like seeing some of the younger trickers and what they hold is important is very different to what like the generation I was starting in. Oh, okay. um, didn't really word that very well, sorry. But um, no, no, we got you. <laughs> yeah, if you know what I mean. So it's like it's it's interesting and it's cool in a way because it's it makes sure that you don't get stuck in this mindset and I think this is the biggest issue I had with when I was in gymnastics which is don't get stuck in the mindset of what you were doing is the correct way of doing it and the only way that's mm, not nice. that's not true this thing is developing tricking is so goddamn young that like mm-hmm. you, you yeah, no true. one no one has the right to be like uh uh-uh, uh yeah you can do this and that but this is the correct way it's like you've got no fucking clue like it's so mm-hmm. young and yeah. yeah, it's when people have those high and mighty opinions. It's just like, that's not up to you. Like, yeah. Um, so it's it's one of those things where it's like, yes, um, things have changed a lot. And I definitely don't feel distant from the community because that's actually my goal. And what I'm working really hard towards doing is actually building communities. So mm. that's that's what I've been doing. That's what I've been working really hard to do. So I'm building the building friendship groups and, and stuff like that at where I work. So I work at, we're trying to, I'm trying to do that. So Red Dragon, we've got a really good group of people and they come and train with us at AC whenever they get the chance because they're a bit younger. So they can't come to like the super late sessions, but they'll come to Sunday afternoons and kill it. Um, building other communities at like the new place um, that I started working at as well. And just like getting friend groups there. And like me and one of the students went and had a bounce session the other day and it was awesome. Like. He does this weird back stuff on the tramp that I've never seen before. Like that's important to me is building communities and building and like building um, just tricking in Brisbane because when I started, there was no tricking instructor. There was no like, 
yeah, it was just like the one group of us, and then like we we managed to meet more people and stuff, and it was really cool. But I loved the like I absolutely love discovering new triggers. It's nuts. Like it's it's just really cool. So um, I definitely don't feel distance from any community at all because I'm actually working on having us all like having different groups and having triggers like doing their own thing and just being there supporting and, and everything like that. So. Yeah, I feel more immersed with the community as I've gotten older because I've gotten to experience a lot of things that lots of other trickers haven't had the fortune of experiencing, and so it's really cool to be able to incorporate that and like use that to help other people, whether they're starting their journey or balls deep into their tricking journey. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's really cool. I, I love it. That's great. That's great, man. Um, I mean, I really love all that stuff. Um, mm. And uh, and so now. We also have a few questions from uh, Kevin Cantwell. Um, his first question is something I was wondering about myself, so this is actually perfect. Right. Um, he goes, uh, what are some other hobbies you have outside of tricking that are like just totally unrelated? Kite flying does not count. No, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still waiting. I cannot wait for there to be some kind of flag thing and then like my Facebook profile gets banned. We're going to get so much hate from the kite flyers, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that'd be great. That'd be so good. <laughs> All um, that war between the kite flyers and the trickers. <laughs> it's a bit unfair for them, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's excellent. Um, what have I done? <laughs> uh, yeah, so in terms of like other hobby stuff, um, definitely been trying as hard as I can to uh, get as like keep up fitness training and stuff like that. My dad is just a freak at fitness. Like he's fitter than I, I will ever be. So it's been really cool to be working on that. But I guess technically that, well, not technically, it does tie-in with tricking so completely non-related um one of my other it was actually my second biggest passion besides like tricking and martial arts and all that is actually uh drumming so i i did um because my mum's side of the family is extremely musical so since i was three i was like getting taught piano and getting taught all this stuff like um I don't remember a damn thing about piano at all, but, <laughs> but and I remember a few years ago, mum said like, you know, you played state nationals with piano and stuff. What? And, and I, I genuinely, like, it sounds like I'm being like, oh, oh, whatever, but I actually genuinely, like I knew I played piano, but I forgot that I like competed in it and stuff like that. Wait, but, how um, old were you when this happened? Um, I'd say probably, because I started learning um, from mum when I was about three, and then I had another piano instructor um, when I was five and then started competing when I was a little bit older. I think I kept going till I was in like high school. Um, <laughs> so you so definitely should have remembered that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I should have, should have remembered it. But I think like I, I didn't compete in high school so much. Like I competed when I was a kid and then I kept, okay. getting, I kept getting like piano lessons in high school. Mm. So that's because your mom's a where, teacher, isn't she? Yeah, she's, um, she's been teaching strings for like 40 years or something insane wow, like that. Wow. So, so yeah, so it's very, and my, my dad was a drummer, so naturally I was like, I want to do that. Yeah, my, my dad was a drummer <laughs> too, actually. That's really interesting. Huh, that cool. is sick. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like I, um, I, I picked up drums and just immediately was like, yeah, this is it. Like this is, out of all the music stuff that I was given the opportunity to practice, like I tried violin with mum for a bit and stuff, which like, that was only a few months and not, not a fan. And mum bought me and my sister guitars even though we were already learning drums and Andrew's doing something else, we're like, we don't want a guitar. But um, <laughs> but it, it was good to experience it for a bit. But drumming, dude, that was just, that was the shit. Like, I, that was my second biggest passion for sure. Like, if I wasn't tricking, it would be, definitely would have pursued drumming um, for sure. Because I got to, like, 
I got to play in big bands and I was in a couple of different bands and we did recordings and stuff like that. Like it was a really fun time. Um, and you still play a bit, don't you? Right? I've seen you. Well, we have we have rum and drum nights, so I wouldn't really say <laughs> rum and drums. Yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't really say much of a drummer now. Um, I, I, well, I, as I say that, like right behind me in my room is where my drum kit's set up. So we've just got it in my room, and it, like very rarely, but my one of my housemates, Alex Fleming, um, he and I will just have like a couple of rums or whatever, and then we'll just be sitting down and just like I'll teach him some stuff, and then I'll I'll try and play stuff because um, yeah, I, I learned like jazz style drumming which i love like it's really awesome wow that's um, difficult yeah oh it's very hard like it's it's very because it branches out in so many ways um and then like obviously lots of the music that i listen to and stuff as well like metal i never had what's called the double kick stuff and then it was awesome matt my matthew my housemate bought me a double kick for my birthday so oh, nice yeah so i got to like mess around with that and stuff and try and understand how it works so I, although I'm not really good at double kick, like it was like, oh wow, I can actually play along to a song that I loved listening to in high school. Like that was like, I always wanted to be able to play that in high school, but never learned. So yeah, um, it would it would be drumming. Drumming would be my favorite non-tricking related mm. hobby for sure. That's nice. That's nice. Mm. And I mean, and very smart too. I mean, now we've recruited the the drummers to help us in the coming war against the kite flyers. <laughs> we're gonna need so, that. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. need a marching band of just percussionists, <laughs> yep, and we're exactly. just gonna have like invincible like masks painted on our face. And just <laughs> That's so good. That's great. That's great. Um, so now Kevin actually does have one last question, and it yeah. is. Um, how do you find that tricking has affected other aspects of your life? Uh, did you feel like tricking has changed you as a person? Mm. Um, absolutely. And I think that's true of any tricker, whether it was like, um, your first like tricking session or whether you've been doing it for such a long time. Like it's always been, I, I haven't really met anyone that's been involved with tricking that hasn't had it impact them in some deep way, not to get mm. all like serious or anything. Um, and even if they don't trick now, like that's, that's not the point. And that's the point that I've been, um, oh, sorry, let me try that again. Like. Uh, this is the point that I've been trying to get across to like lots of my um, my students as well as like well, pretty much most just my students and it's kind of you don't actually have to be doing really in crazy tricks to be a tricker like that's not what tricking means we've got Ilya we've got Guthrie they can take <laughs> care of that like Slava can do those things like they're, they're fine like they can take care of the insane un unethical combo <laughs> unethical um, <laughs> Best yeah, description. Yeah, yeah. It's against the yeah, Geneva Convention. <laughs> that was oh, so, much, the best so name. much better. <laughs> yeah. Mike Guthrie, the unethical. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where it's like, like even some of my students who don't trick now, they will come to a session to hang out. That's what tricking is. Like mm. it's it's that community and that kind of vibe feeling for it. It doesn't have to be like who did the nicest double cork that session or um like whether you learn your first new trick or, or whatever it is like that's really awesome but it's actually just about like everyone being around each other because it's such an amazing vibe like trickers are just the coolest shit that exists like <laughs> it's it's just really awesome how that works so i hope i answered the question no that's oh, perfect yeah. man yeah it's sweet Cool. We're going to move on to, and I apologize because I'm probably going to massacre this sound yeah, the pronunciation. Uh, yeah. Mark Rusmentijo asks, oh, "Tell us about." Yeah. Yeah, did I? Yeah. You reckon I got that okay? I think that sounds right. I'm yeah, sorry, yeah. Mark. I'm sure I stuffed that up. 
Um, Vetti asks, tell us, uh, tell us about the history of the Australian trigon community. What was the community like when you first started and how is it different now? A bit of a history lesson. You're going to have to ask that question again. Before you do that, Mark, I need you to go on Facebook and create a kite organization. <laughs> and I need you to abuse James for mispronouncing your last name. <laughs> this is how it starts. Okay, oh, what was the question? <laughs> Sorry. Uh, um, the question uh, okay, was... Like the Australian... Yeah, the a bit Australian of, a bit of history uh, lesson on the, the Australian tricking community. Like what it was mm. like when you first started, how it's grown and, and how it's different now. Yeah, for sure. So um, it's definitely developed over time, which it it being so young, it's, and plus anything of that nature definitely stems like it has its ups and downs. Um, when I first started, it was, it was very, well, I'd say it was relatively small um, at that point. So it was, it was interesting how I, stepped into the tricking scene because when I stepped in um it was just by sheer dumb luck like I happened to meet Scott and John and Muskie and Silver and all of these people because I had obviously no idea that at the time like Scott was pine like he was the pioneer of power like he was just doing the things that now which seems so commonplace at that point he was the one and only doing it like mm. there were others close and then scott would be able to get that before anyone else like he was breaking plateaus so for me um my introduction to the tricking scene was like oh that's normal like i i yeah, would lose yeah. my shit every time he landed something but i just assumed that that was the the normal level of of trickers who'd been doing it for a while um only when i discovered a little bit more i was like oh holy shit no 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 that's um that's a big deal so um it was really cool being introduced to the scene and being around that and like um that point when it was like it was just it was very different like um but the biggest turning point for us is when we had the gym that we train at now ac that was a massive turning point for like uh especially like in some senses the australian scene like for our atgs and stuff like that but definitely for the brisbane scene because that's our home like that's um that's the gym that like when we were able like i'll never forget the first because we were only we only had one tricking session there a week which was sundays and it was like it was like a religious thing like everyone was there every sunday the, like the min minimum of like 15 people take um, to church yeah pretty much <laughs> yeah. And, and and it was it was amazing like the vibe was totally different and then over the years like um it builds up and drops down and lots of the younger trickers kind of don't understand they're like oh why wasn't it as good as it was before it's like well that's because times change and people change so for for years it would drop down and there'd be only two people at the session and stuff like that but there's always like a core group of people no matter how much the time changes there's always a select core group of like three or four people that are just always there um and that's rad like that's really cool and then um it's definitely changed because we've incorporated a lot of people from different scenes that have come into it like we've got a lot of close friends of ours now that came from dancing originally and now they kind of value tricking a little bit more like it's it's really cool like that um so it's definitely developed in terms of um where it's going to go from here i'm not who can say um but it's it's just cool like that's that's why like i love building those communities and stuff like that because it had such an impact to all of us back then and whether it means the same to other people as it does now, it's not even that. It's the fact that every single one of us who was a part of that have taken has taken something away from it, which is awesome. So yeah, it's I'm looking forward to seeing where it's going, and because it's already starting to build back up again. It's like in Brisbane anyway. It seems like it's on the rise again, which is sick. So yeah, looking forward to riding that wave out. It should be good.
That's great. Yeah. And, and James, to be honest, I'm a little bit curious about your answer to the same question. I mean, like, what was it like in Sydney? I mean, um, maybe give us like a little bit about how Invincible even started. Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, I started, I think it was two years after you, Phil, something yes. like that. Yes. Um, and I actually had a similar experience to you. I mean, you, you met Scott and you thought, yeah, this is the norm. I mm. found tricking actually weirdly enough through my local newspaper. There was wow. an article, yeah, there was an article on Morgan and Jono of Team E and, and the tricking classes they were running. So I was wow. like, that sounds that sounds awesome. I'm going to go down, and I went there. I think and I that's was like, the first time a local newspaper has ever done done anything, something. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I completely uh, yeah. that's agree. very true. Um, but yeah, I thought this was the norm because I went I went to their tricking class. And they had this huge school going on. There were like so many tricking students, and they had a full like. It wasn't written down, but they had a syllabus they took everyone through to teach tricking. And I was like, yeah, this must be how everyone starts tricking. You know, there's a school, there's you know, a logical progression, there's this all over the world. And it was only when... Actually, they started it in Australia. Yeah, they, they, they got that ball rolling. Um, yeah, But they Phil, started. you were the first person um, I actually travelled anywhere to see with tricks. You invited um, Joel and Mitch, Angel and myself, and we went and stayed at yep. yours. And it was Back then that I... in 2009. Something. Yeah, that was it, yeah. Yeah. And that's when I was like, whoa, hang on, like, <laughs> this is not the norm. Um, people are just, you know, <laughs> throwing stuff and, and, and making this happen on their own. Yeah. Um, and obviously, it's it's very different now. I mean, Jono and, and Tim and, and Morgan and that are still smashing it with uh, tricking schools and the, mm. the tricking association, is it now? Tricking Australia? Yeah, tricking, tricking Australia. Australia. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it has really come a long way with that. Yeah, it's um, cool. But yeah, local paper. That's how I found it. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild. I love that. I love that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I started off doing like karate when I was like four because I, hmm. I desperately wanted to be a Power Ranger, of course. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Um, and then I started, yeah, totally understandable. Um, and I started doing like some XMA stuff when I was maybe like 10 or 11. Hmm. Um, and then, so I was like doing tricks for years and years. And then um, I think it was the the first Red Bull Throwdown um, back like maybe oh, four yeah, years ago. I that. Like that, yeah, yeah. That's what like really sealed the deal for me personally. Where I was like, okay, like I want to make the transition from like doing tricks sometimes to like being a tricker. This is you it. Know? Yeah. yeah, I was like, this is it exactly. Yeah, it but um, yeah. So that was a big deal. But um, we have one more. We have another question um, mm. from Evan Barwise. And he goes, uh, hey, Phil, if your dad fought Steven Seagal, <laughs> who would win and what type of fight code would it be under? My dad would probably learn like Krav Maga overnight and then, <laughs> then proceed to just demolish him. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Sorry, Evan. That's all you get. I was expecting something just like that from Evan. Oh, Evan. <laughs> oh Bawas. You're a buff hero. <laughs> okay, moving on. Evan, sorry you didn't get much air time, but look, man, you've got to deal with it. Um, <laughs> Axel, Axel from France asks, Yay! Who inspires you today? Ooh, that's a tough one. Um, also, Axel, hello, and I hope your daughter is going well. I want to see her one like as soon as possible. But um, uh, in terms of who inspires me today for tricking stuff, uh, it varies. Like, um, I, I find myself at the moment watching a lot of uh, Ahmed and Sam Caspio, especially yes, because, like, yeah, mm. yeah they're, they're also really still pushing the YouTube stuff, which is good. Like, mm. and obvi obviously, yeah, Carl give us Skelly's your opinion on that. You mentioned that uh, a bit earlier on about Instagram and samplers. What are, you, what are your thoughts? Uh, okay, well, in that sense, like, um, it's, it's one of those things, it goes back to what I was saying before, where 
um, it's important that you have to acknowledge the fact that things aren't going to stay the same with, with tricking. And that's mm. the same of any art form at all. Like it's the same of anything. And, and it's just one of those things where it's like um, things are going to change and you can either complain about it and get stuck in that rut or you can develop with those changes. So the mm. biggest, the biggest change, not even just for tricking, I think just in general for society and people like that is, um, and I'm not stabbing at anything new here. Like everyone's aware of this, just like the changes in social media um, is drastically different to what it was when I first started tricking. Cause man, like I would not release anything on YouTube except for like once a year, but it was the yeah, one yeah. and only way that you could see content from someone. That's um, what everyone mm-hmm. did as well. You know, they, they built it up and it was a, it was a big Correct. thing to release your annual sampler. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like the samplers were a, not just a, a look at the skills you've done. It's a look at the, the year or it's yeah. a look at what has been happening with that person. And it's portrayed like that. Um, so, well, at least that's how I looked at it. So the changing isn't necessarily bad. It's just how people want to go about it. It really depends. So for me, like, I, I actually don't mind doing Instagram samplers and stuff every now and then as well, because for me, it's, it's instead of me being like, here's some raw footage and some music. For me, it's, I kind of have it as a challenge in terms of like, portray what you want to portray, but do it under, um, you have that kind of time frame to do it under. So for me, it's more of a challenge, but it's not as, it's, it's not as fulfilling of an outlet as an out. Oh God. It's not as fulfilling as when I get to put my time and energy into a sampler that is made like to portray what I actually want to put out there. Um, so it's because we're all very used to bite sized stuff now and it's got to be constant content. Like it's got to be there all the time. Like you need to be releasing stuff all the time and you need to make it this short so that people paying attention. It's like, no, you're actually kind of insulting your audience and you're insulting the art form in that sense. Like I I have no problem with people putting Instagram stuff up. Fuck, I do it. (laughs) But it's, it's one of those things now where like it has become the new source of, tricking stuff which is fine like it like i said it's going to change so instead of complaining about it try and get the front on it um and it's 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 okay but it's just it is very different to what it used to be and there's nothing wrong with it it's just learning to develop still putting what you want to put out there but in a different light so if you look at it as a challenge you can make it fun if you look at it as a like a fuck this thing then it's going <laughs> it's going to be a problem for you mm. but um it's cool because it's not like the other art forms are, like the other methods are completely dead yet like look at Carl Skelly look yeah, at what definitely. he's doing, doing with right. plan zero he's absolutely nailing it like mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just unbelievable and that's what i mean like if you can do it well like some of his videos are like nine minutes long or something like that. No one gives a shit how long it is. It's the fact that it's a fucking video. Yeah. Like, I mm-hmm. could sit there and watch him and Juji light a tramp on fire for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> that's rad. Like that's the shit that keeps you wanting to watch it. Um, but because we're so used to the bite size, immediate source of content, then it's harder to get out there because it's uh, like, like good quality stuff. Like plan zeros. It's harder to push out there now because mm. Instagram and Snapchat, it's, it's on your phone. It's like, there, you just look it up straight away. So I don't have a problem with it, but I like to be able to put, um, cause I, I used to, I, I'm 
trying to make my, not trying to make myself, I'm getting into habits of releasing more stuff, but I want to be able to do it in a way that I'm satisfied with and that I can branch it out into multiple sources, not just Instagram and not just Facebook, like other things. So I've actually started working on another like YouTube sampler series saga, something. Oh, nice. Ooh, okay. Because so, I haven't done that for a while. So um, I, I'm looking forward to doing some stuff like that as well um, because I, I enjoy doing it. Like I can't, I can't trick forever. No one can. So I kind of want to be able to put um, as much of it out there while I've still got a little bit left in me. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just the, the changing of social media and figuring out what you want to do with it. Cause again, I don't really care who watches my stuff. That's fine. Like there's about three people that I actually care about their opinion of, of my content and the rest I don't mind. So <laughs> that's just me though. I don't, I don't need views. I don't, I don't really mind that stuff. For me, I'll put it out there because that's that's my outlet. That's what I want to do. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. that that's for me. Yeah, I mean that's the right way to do it, right? I mean, is if you're doing something for yourself because it, it's it feels true to you, I think mm. that is going to resonate with people more, and it's Correct. not going to come across as like, oh, this guy just wants the views, or you know, here's just like some clickbait or something. I mean, that yeah, is exactly. Really, yeah, I mean that's absolutely mm. the right way to do it. Mm. Um, now, Phil, I think we had um, James and I actually just had a couple final questions of our own. Um, yeah. So, um, one for me, and this one, this might be a little bit tough. So, you know, if you need yeah. to take a second and think about it, you're welcome to. No, all but right. um, but if you could go back and relive one tricking related memory, what would it be? Um, first triple cork was pretty special. Like, um, mm-hmm. that was definitely. Um, it was just really fortunate how that happened. That was like my very last session of 2011. And, um, it was only just because like, um, Tim just chucked the idea out there. Like I wasn't even like, I tried it a couple of times and I wasn't super like, Oh man, I have to get triple cork. And Tim was like, dude, I'm going to drill beach with triple cork. Do you want to join me? I'm like, yeah, okay. Uh, Why not? (laughs) Like I'm having like, I'm having a good session. So I'm, I'm happy to like, let's, let's work on this shit. And then, um, by the end of it, like, I realized my weakness in in those kinds of skills, which is still prevalent for me. It was the same with triple-double and stuff like that. It was just one of those things where it's just like, you've had the ability to do it for such a fucking long time, but the only reason why you haven't done it is because you'll try it twice, and then you'll be like, oh, no, nah, that's fine, and then won't touch that trick again Ooh. for years. Like, oh, I tried okay, triple-double, yeah. yeah, I tried triple-double, like, in 2010, didn't didn't touch the shit again until 2016. Wow. Like, that's what I mean, because it's just one of those things. And the only reason why I got it in 2016, because I dedicated one session to landing it. Mm-hmm. So within half an hour of just doing, and the triple four wasn't even feeling that great that day, but just working on it and not being like, oh, maybe, maybe next time. Like, actually. <laughs> just, <laughs> it's just like you, yeah. Yeah, actually <laughs> just being like, dude, just keep working at it and then got it. And that's... So that was a really cool thing. So th- those two moments are pretty special, but also um, just like for, in terms of like tricking skill related, it would be like definitely triple double and um, my first triple cork, but also um, lots of the friends that I've gotten to make. Like I live in a house full of friends that I've met from tricking. Like that to me is that's the that's dream way. Like that's mm-hmm. way more. And I- I'm not oblivious to the fact that like, it's not going to be like that forever. We're going to grow up and do our own thing eventually. Like that's fine. But right now, it's so awesome. Like it's fucking cool because it all just came from this thing. doesn't matter who's got nothing to do with the tricks themselves. It's just the community and like just how like the vibe is. I love that. So those, those kinds of experiences and getting to meet people that like I've looked up to for a long time and 
and um, stuff like that. Like, I think another one that's not, it's kind of tricking related, but another one that's really, really stuck with me was like, um, we went to go see, and uh, Barnabas was with us for this, actually. Um, <laughs> we went to go and see uh, a band, Dance, Gamma Dance, because they were actually, I, nice. I don't, yeah, like, I don't go out and see bands very often at all. I don't go out very often at all. Um, but I, uh, Barnabas is like, we're going. And I was like, yep, if you made the effort to come all the way here and see them, and I am kind of a fan of the band, I'll, I'll go with you. And so we all went, Muskie and, and a couple of us went and saw Dance, Gavin Dance. And then like after they played, because they killed it, um, they went downstairs just to meet and greet with all the people. And they were just having some smokes and stuff. And then like went downstairs, I got to meet some of them. Um, and then Muskie was just like, show me sample, show me sample. I was like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, okay. And so I, I showed them, I showed, uh, I was t- speaking to the drummer. And then I was also speaking to the screamer, John. And um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I showed him a part of Way to Dawn. I'll never, ever forget this. Like, um, And he looked at me, looked back at the phone to see the sample, and he's like, is this you? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And, and he's like, yeah, we've seen this before. What? And, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I remember like Muskie and Garrett both looked at me. And I, <laughs> um, my instant reaction, because I know, I'll never forget, it was pretty childish and stupid, but I actually said like, no, no, that's impossible. Like, I, actually, <laughs> I said that yeah, I was just like, no, nah, it's not possible. And he's just like, no, nah, dude, that was sick. Well done. And like, it was just, <laughs> that was, that was a mad rush. I was Man, expect- that is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe it. Like, um, so that'll stick with me forever. Cause I, I was expecting similar to what you're going to have to deal with, with the kite federation organization in terms of them just being like, you used our music or something like that. <laughs> and then, yeah. Not looking forward to that. That's going to yeah, be, as soon as no, we end this, no. this interview, it's going to be an onslaught. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're coming An already. An onslaught of colourful flying things. It's my worst That's nightmare. Right. How do they know? <laughs> yeah. So um, Those... yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> no, that's that's great. That's great. I mean, uh, yeah, James, how about you? What would you say? Uh, in terms of reliving a tricky memory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon there's, I reckon there's two that I would I would relive. The first is um, I can't remember which ATG it was. One of the ATGs we had in Brisbane. I landed my first double full um, at the gathering itself. And I think that's like the best hey, possible. You there? Oh, yeah, Phil, you're there? Yeah, I am now. Sorry, someone tried to call me again. Uh, anyway, oh, sorry. Popular man. <laughs> no. Very popular man. I missed that. Sorry. No what worries, man. Um, I was saying ATG. Yeah, yeah, landing, landing a first double full at ATG. Yes. I think that's like the best mm. possible place to land a new trick is at a gathering when oh, everyone's yeah. there and everyone's hyped up. Um, that and was it's weird awesome. though, because as soon as you, you do something at a gathering, you go back to a session a week afterwards and you can't do it anymore because you don't have the that's adrenaline so from like yeah, people so cheering you on and the crowd there. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. The other is actually Bergen Gathering in 2012. Oh, that um, would have been sick. Yeah, it was the first time I'd gone overseas since starting Invincible. And it was the first time I'd seen, I, like, I didn't really expect Invincible to have reached further than, I guess, Sydney and Brisbane. Um, yeah, and it was it was and then and then yeah man there like <laughs> people lining up at the table and, and I'd never met any of them and they knew all about Invincible it was it blew my mind I, I I sold out that gathering it was it it completely yeah completely blew my mind I had no idea I'd reached that far that was one of my favorite memories that is sick that's so good James okay Phil we have one final question for you yeah and it's a deep one we're going to finish on a deep note here so oh, long term big picture here. Mm. Like mm. years from now, how mm-hmm. how do you want to be remembered? Um, it sounds weird, but I actually don't 
mind. Like it's 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 not one of those things where it's like I need to be remembered for. Or I'm not actually interested in those kinds of things. What I'm more interested in um, is like giving the next generations of trickers and anything like that a stepping stone so that they can do what they want to do. Even if it's not related to tricking itself, if that if tricking is able to be impactful and in anyone's life, then I want to be able to give them the tools they need to like take that experience with them for whatever they want to do. Like, so, so if they want to learn tricks or if they just want to be a part of the community or, or just whatever it is, like I, I want to be able to help people do things like that. So that's more important to me in terms of like giving people the potential to follow their own um, goals and sets of whatever it is they want to be doing, as opposed to like, being remembered for the tricker that did this or being remembered for like the instructor or something like that. It's more about what they can take away from what I'm teaching, not me teaching them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. That's a good answer. It's tough, yeah, to, ex- well, it's tough to explain, but it's like, I don't really care the thoughts of me. I want what they've taken in terms of that experience, like whether it's being a student of mine or like, hanging out at sessions with us or whatever it is. Like I want that experience to be prevalent into what they do for the rest of like their lives or whatever they need it for, for the rest of their lives, as opposed mm-hmm. to being like, thank God for, fi- I, I don't care about that. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. Not, not interested. I just want to help in that sense and the experience be the driving force, not me. Wow. Yeah. No, I love that. I mean, it's, uh, it really speaks to how, tricking is more than it's, it's it's about more than just tricking you know Correct. i mean it's 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 about it's about people's lives and yeah. people's friendships and uh and what it allows you to do and the experiences it allows you to have so that um, is no, exactly think, it yeah no i think that's uh, that's really that's really great man yeah that's a perfect you. note to uh, to end on as well yeah, yeah. that's right. a great note to end on um Ooh. yeah thanks phil thanks for doing this we did it yeah we, did, it's all we done. did the thing <laughs> that went well that was fun thanks yeah. guys really interesting hearing your thoughts on it all um, and thanks everyone for listening keep an eye on the Invincible Forum and the Facebook page for news on when we're going to do our second episode who the guest will be and of course to submit questions I'll be putting a post up as I did for this one there'll also be a post on the Invincible Forum if you can't find it on Facebook and yeah we'll see you there for the next episode sweet see you guys thanks, later guys. thank you